Welcome to Machine Learning. I'm starting to like probability. And the reason why I'm liking probability is um, that uh, you can look at uh, probability as uh, what are the chances. So, for example, um, <clears throat> I can... Uh, I can say, okay, what is my minimum value? What is my maximum value? What's my standard deviation and what's my mean? And from that, I can calculate what my probability is of getting a number between, uh, between that range or getting a number less than that less than a certain number in the range or greater than a number in the range or finding out uh, what number is a certain percentile so I can use uh, I can use PPF to give me uh, norm dot PPF to give me a number that's less than a certain percentile or greater than a certain percentile and then I can also use uh, CDF to give me a probability and you know okay so why would probability be so important these are simple equations you can use the stats libraries to you know make the call well because I can make guesses about what uh, is occurrences that are happening over a time series so like we know that most business data is related to time series I can pull averages for you know specific days or I can do years and you can do backfill or forward fill for the missing days um, so that you're creating these step step functions in the data now in interesting enough uh, the step functions might just be continuous and uh, and the reason I say that is uh, uh, we can probably, with a step functions, uh, take the, the data points and interpolate them between um, the other points and create a more smooth, continuous function rather than these step functions. And from that, then we can take our PyTorch and, and, uh, and we can train it with a dense networks and uh, uh, RELU activation functions and make predictions on what the uh, what the the future might be because the neural net can learn the the function and so um, now the reason why that's important is because you know we're what is what is prediction into the future that is actually perception if you if you take for example what is perception it is a guess into the future of an expectation based on a probability so let's let's take a, 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 a example of uh, this let's say you you're a, uh, a car dealer and you're a car salesman and you, your dealership and you're looking at how many cells that you get um, each uh, 
let's say, each week. Let's just go on a weekly basis versus a daily basis. And, uh, and you get an average of how many, let's say you get four car sales uh, a week. And, uh, and then you could say, well, what is the probability that I would only get one car sale in that week? And you would think, well, uh, you know, would it, if they're averaging four, that would probably be fairly low probability that you would just get one. Or example, what would it be the probability if I would get 10 car sales in a week? And again, that probability would be fairly low. Well, then we can look for, we can do things like, well, what were the outliers? Well, we can use the IQR and we can use the Quartel 25 and 75 percentile. And we can take the Quartel uh, times 1.5 and add that to the 75 uh, or IQR times 1.5, add that to the um, 75th quartile, and we can look for those outliers. Well, okay, so let's say that for some reason we had a, um, a new or a, a big promotion where, you know, they could trade in their existing car for get five thousand dollars cash for a new car and and we know that in those particular events we could have outlier events where maybe we could sell in that week we could sell 11 cars uh, doing that and uh, <clears throat> maybe there's some government incentive too to buy uh, you know electric cars so combine that with uh, you know trade-in of getting rid of the uh, uh, internal combustion engine vehicle for electric car uh, that and and uh, some tax breaks and so forth that the the consumer is like this is a good deal I want to do that and so they make the purchase okay whatever their incentives are they're strong enough to to break the the average so you know and, and you could look at the probability and say well the probability of that ha occurring is you know, less than 10%. Um, but then the, you have to remember that uh, probability is based on the historical data. So um, if you looked at the special promotion events and then use that as a threshold uh, to filter out your data, then you could uh, make a comparable of one of previous promotions and maybe at those points and those previous promotions they were getting that uh, 10, 10 uh, averaging 10 so then you take the average of, of 10 for those events uh, or take those events with sales promotion and it, let's say it averages out to uh, 10 well then you can calculate the expected probability uh, expected value based on the value times the probability and that gives you kind of this uh, baseline that's your expected value based on a probability uh, and then you can then you can ask questions of like well what would be the chance I get 11 uh, if the mean is 10 and then you calculate your standard deviation and so forth and it should be pretty close to that expected value so what I'm getting at with probability is that you have this expected value and 
you run the probability and then uh, and then you you know you measure that historically and you get a performance and so when you do these promotions it's not a surprise that you're going to get 11 car sales and so it kind of makes you wonder if uh, if when if, I, mean, I haven't ever worked in a car dealership, so I don't know how the numbers work. But why uh, don't menu or car dealerships offer more sales incentives to bringing customers? Well, maybe they don't need to. Maybe they 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 can make uh, you know money at four cars per week, or yeah, four cars a week, um, and pay for their dealership and pay for their salaries and uh, you know that's a, a comfortable threshold that they can they can tolerate so most of the time they're willing not to uh, expend money and and uh, you know uh, reduce their profits in order to uh, capitalize on higher volume and on the other hand, if maybe if they're studying the numbers and analyzing the data and analyzing probabilities, uh, maybe at that point they're like, well, let's, let's have more discounts and promote discounts as a selling point. Um, so maybe there's a way to do that uh, instead of... But again, maybe what they're, they, they do is say, well, we're not in the business of giving discounts. We're in the business of providing luxury vehicles to uh, rich, rich uh, qualified customers. And so, you know, they're maybe selling the $60,000 truck to the man who wants to get the latest, or a woman who wants to get the latest uh, vehicle. And so that's where they're making their, you know, their 15% profit margins. And those are, those are areas where they really uh, capitalize and make lots of money. And so, you know, their marketing strategy is to, uh, to promote those uh, big trucks. And, you know, what maybe in the, where things are moving more environmentally now that, uh, You'll see the introduction of the Cybertruck, which uh, um, has been kind of fascinating when that will roll out. And that's going to be a very heavy truck. That's going to weigh a lot more because it's got the batteries. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, a big truck. It's going to have lots of torque. It'll have a lot of pool power. And, uh, and you know, it's going to have a, a pretty good range. And so... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if the consumer likes the electric truck. And if, if the consumer likes the electric truck, there's a number of uh, trucks companies that are building electric trucks. And, uh, you know, you could see more of a shift that way as uh, diesel prices continue to climb. So there's just that uncomfortable level where fuel prices uh, are expensive. When I filled my car, it cost $44 to fill the car. And it was like, that was kind of painful. Now, if it goes to $100 to fill my car, that's very painful. And, uh, you know, do we then start looking at things like alternate 
forms of transportation such as electric bike and you know electric bikes are dangerous you're out on the road uh, you know you're you're cruising along at 30 miles an hour some guy in a big truck comes by and thinks he owns the road and nearly sideswipes you and you go flying off into the uh, you know off the road uh, and then you're asked you know if you have medical bills and stuff that are associated with that then you ask yourself was it worth the risk and uh, again it comes down to that that comfort level you know where you where you are you uncomfortable riding the electric bike um, so then you know what are the in-between uh, solutions well one that's really interesting is uh, maybe that cities will begin to provide autonomous vehicle transportation. You know, for let's say if a company uh, could create a low-cost entry, uh, and you could get people on a subscription basis, then you know the <clears throat> autonomous car could pull up to your home. Let's say you use uh, ZooX. And you have a, a fleet of zoo X's. So you have 100 vehicles. And then you have 100 people uh, in the morning that want transportation to work. So you, you pull up. It pulls up. You get in. Uh, it knows who you are. It does face rec facial recognition to see who you are. It knows that your scheduled destination is to work. So it doesn't have to ask you where you know where the destination is. It knows where the destination is, uh, and so it takes you to work. And then at uh, you know four or five o'clock, um, it pulls up, and you get in, and uh, and then you go to uh, you go to you go to work, or from work to home. And let's say you pay uh, Zuex. Uh, uh, $100 a month for transportation. Okay, so if it's less money to get transported to and from work than to pay for a car uh, and gas prices, then wouldn't it make sense to uh, do autonomous vehicle? And But the, the, the problem is is that I know that a lot of these uh, companies will then you know they'll they'll go pick up multiple people along the route, and if the time to get to work is longer than if you would drive, then there will be no incentive uh, to do that. So you can't force people to go long routes to work because they don't want to. So I'm suggesting that the autonomous vehicle goes from point A to point B, one customer only. Uh, you know, the, or in that party, and it gets them with it to work in that predicted amount of time for less money. And I think that would be a great business model for autonomous vehicles. Now, when I saw the uh, ZooX uh, performance capabilities, uh, they were really impressive. They, they, uh, they run the car. It has uh, two, two four-wheel turning, so the two wheels in the front can turn simultaneously with the two wheels in the back. It gives them incredible uh, maneuvering capability. Uh, they they can drive in the city, so they were showing where it had to come to an intersection, it had to yield to other cars, had to make sure it was clear, uh, and then when it could turn, it, it would turn. Uh, and so it was making lots of predictions, and uh, and it, you know it had a it had pretty good perception in terms of 
you know, rules for for making decisions on when it was safe to go and when it wasn't. It had real-time LIDAR, uh, radar, and uh, cameras, so all three were feeding into the CPU at the same time. And uh, I think it was all electric, too. That was the other thing that they wanted is electric. Uh, so, uh, you know, framework is designed for... Uh, for the sensors, they had lots of different sensors, and you know they could detect uh, in real time lots of objects around it. So they were scanning objects, making uh, predictions on navigation, uh, getting real time feed on the map terrain. So it's getting very detailed map maps uh, of the area, and uh, it was also. Uh, uh, making complex guesses at what the future would be and making predictions into the future in real time. And it was doing very well, very fast. And, uh, you know, it's almost like it was a total experience while you're in the vehicle. And, uh, and uh, so the, uh, you know, it was handling merging onto high-speed traffic lanes uh, on the highway, so it can travel 70, 75 miles an hour. Um, it can move yeah, in and out of traffic. It can, it can change lanes. It can merge onto uh, the highway. It can exit off the highway. And when, it, when you get these kind of performance, when it performs uh, well, you know, it doesn't ever speed because it knows all the speed limits. Uh, you know, and it it uh, it can break for pedestrians, and it makes uh, complex decisions. When it's doing very well, and, it, and if it can perform as well as a human being or better, then you know self-driving vehicles will become very popular. And you know, there's going to be you know business models where people buy lots of the self-driving vehicles. Don't just retrofit existing vehicles to it but the, you know use the a new architecture uh one where you can walk you know walk into the vehicle uh it has large windows it's comfortable and uh and almost uh you know like a uh, autonomous pod move you from point a to point b in a predictable amount of time and i think that's going to be kind of the beauty of self-driving cars is that uh it, it's going to offer that level of uh, you know functionality uh, and uh, and capability, and so when it does that, you know you're going to uh, you're going to see big changes in the way people uh, interact and and use them, you know because maybe they will uh, uh, decide instead of driving their vehicle to work, they'll decide to take a um, uh, a, a Zoo X uh, self-driving vehicle uh, and not necessarily carpool because see the thing with carpooling is it you know you have to show up at a certain time and there's delays and stuff um, and I'm not t I'm not proposing carpooling I don't like carpooling but I, I'm saying that you know this is a full service you know almost like a limousine service this is this car uh, comes and arrives on time, picks you up, and takes you to your destination.